Hello and welcome to the Formidable Over 40 podcast. I'm Sarah Pittendrig, a mum, award-winning entrepreneur, cancer survivor, coach and author. In series two of the podcast, we're sharing new stories along with the ethos that you're never too old and it's never too late to design a life you love. Something that's been a massive inspiration for creating series two of this podcast has been publishing my own book, The I Can Method. That's why, to start the series, I'm in the hot seat, being interviewed by the fabulous Sophie Milliken, MBE, about my book, why I created it, the journey of writing, and how I hope it can help you. The I Can Method is a raw and honest memoir. I retraced my steps right back to childhood to understand how I ended up with agoraphobia and such deep-rooted self-limiting beliefs. I've also included the breakthrough strategy, which I worked through to see the light and move forward to design a life I now love. Time to hear more. It's going to be emotional. Here we go. Sarah, firstly, huge congratulations on the publication of your book. I've written a couple of books myself and I know that it is not an easy process. And I can also say that the ICAM method is an incredible and inspiring read. How does it feel to finally have the book out in the world? <laughs> well, at first... I was absolutely terrified of getting it out there and sharing, you know, such an emotional roller coaster of a journey. I wasn't quite sure how it would be received. I've been receiving some wonderful feedback and it's already doing what I wanted it to do. The messages I'm getting from people who've read it and who were feeling stuck and, and were feeling, you know, demotivated and, and a little bit lost are saying that it's really given them the encouragement and the um, inspiration to uh, push on and start chasing some of those goals they thought they had to, uh, you know, maybe leave behind. Wow, early impact. Yeah. Sounds incredible. Let's go back to the very start. Do you remember when you had the idea to, to write the book? Yeah, absolutely. It was actually all down to Elna Mills. Elna is a former editor of the Sunday Times and editor of the Sunday Times um, magazine. And she had just um, pivoted from journalism into um, creating a, a wonderful platform called Noon. And it's very much about supporting the midlife woman, queen ages, as she likes to, to, to refer to us. And I'd been on LinkedIn and I was reading one of her posts and it really resonated with me. And Elna and I hooked up and had a coffee over Zoom and we were just really chatting all about, you know, the, our mutual sort of beliefs and saying that we both believe you're never too old and it's never too late. And I was sharing a bit of my story with Elna and she was like, have you written a book? I was like, no. Well, I really think you should. And I was like, no. <laughs> she was like, no, I really think you should. And I was just like, I just didn't, I knew I, if I was left to me, I just would never do it. And she said, well, look, if I come up to Northumberland and I interview you and I write this book with you and sort of, you know, as, as a co-author and um, put the skeleton out there and then you put the rest of it in your voice, how, how would that would that sit, you know? And I thought, well, what an opportunity. An opportunity I just couldn't miss. And uh, that's exactly what happened. And she came up and here we are. Here we are indeed. And having the idea of writing a book is one thing, but making it a reality is another. There's a stat somewhere that 60% of people in the UK want to write a book, mm. but less than 1% actually do it. Yes. So what's driven you to actually get to the point to get it written? To be honest, it's, there's two, it's sort of a double prong approach really. One part of it, it's a huge part of my healing journey. I felt that I, I had to sort of 
by writing it and having the opportunity to write of it, I managed to sort of how would you call it a lot of putting a lot of ghosts to rest or pulling up a lot of roots and getting them out? I'm not sure which way it was, but it's been a huge part of my healing journey and it's helped me to make a lot of sense of what went on to understand that I wasn't going crazy or I wasn't what I thought I was. And I could understand the impact of some of the things that had happened in my life to have made me feel how I felt and I wasn't crazy. Yeah. The other side of it is, is that as an entrepreneur, so I've been obviously a board level director before I set up on my own and built a seven figure business with my co-directors. Then we lost that business. And then, you know, obviously to have put me in the position it did with, you know, losing my home and so forth and bankruptcy and what have you. I understood and I saw it through the pandemic, the terror and the fear in people and how they were having to pivot. And, you know, people are, you know, this is a really precarious financial environment that we're living in at the moment. And I just wanted to share my story for anybody who's feeling vulnerable, anyone who might be feeling stuck, anyone who might think that, say, they'd lost a business and they thought it was the end, somebody who might have faced some adversity that they thought, well, you know, that's it. That's how it has to be. I wanted to show them that, with a mindset shift and actually putting the work in that your life can still be whatever you want it to be. So it's about sharing my story and my vulnerabilities to hopefully support and inspire others. It sounds like it's been a really therapeutic process for yes. you, but also very practical around yeah. supporting um, people in the future. Definitely. Which is awesome. So thinking about actually the process of of writing the book, what was that process for you? Well, the first thing was Elna came up to Northumberland and we spent a couple of days in a local hotel where she interviewed me. I, I laugh at her. So if you're listening to this, Elna, you interrogated me. You didn't interview me. And uh, I think I cried for a whole day from literally, it was just like a massive emotional release. And then once once we'd got through that and we'd got all of the interview on tape, Elna went away and she started sort of um, putting the skeleton of the book together. She would then send me chapter by chapter and I would look at it, um, we'd make sure that the tone was right and then I would add what we would call the meat on the bones really. And that's what we did, chapter by chapter until eventually we had the complete book. And how did you find it having a co-writer? Elna's was absolutely wonderful. I don't know how, if I would have been able to do it with, with you know, anyone else, I suppose. I can't say that because I haven't tried anybody else, but I really felt she got me. And, I, and, and I'm one of these people that I, I kind of click with people or I don't. And I clicked with her straight away. And yeah, I just felt that she really was getting what I was trying to say. And she didn't try to put words in my mouth. She didn't try to manipulate the the story or she just took it for what it was. And yeah, so I I thoroughly enjoyed the whole process. Well, hang on a minute. I'm not actually going to say that because that's absolutely bullshit. I did not thoroughly enjoy the whole process at all. I found it in parts quite traumatic and sometimes I wanted to throw the bloody laptop out the window but working with Elna and now we've finished it and and I look back through the whole process I would say it was a really good learning curve and I'm glad I've done it and you say some some of the bits were tra- traumatic. Yeah. Was that because of the topic or was it a part a stage yeah. in the book writing process? Um well, I would say a bit of both. Um some of the things that I was reliving were things that I didn't really want to have to relive again and probably because I hadn't 
sort of faced them and addressed them properly, they were still causing me issue. So to go back and have to pull them out and relive them for the purposes of the book, it was actually a very a, a, a difficult but something that needed needed to be done. So that was, yeah, that was probably a, a good thing. It was, it was a, you know, but emotional. And then other times, you know, I'm not one for sitting down and writing and, and you know, like being at a desk and doing. I'm very creative and, and sort of writing and doing was, I found it quite hard trying to, I find it hard to express myself in words, whereas I find it really easy to sit and chat like this. So that was quite a, a hard thing for me to do. Mm. And how long did it take you to, to write the book? Um, I think, if I remember rightly, Eleanor must have come up in around about April time. So I would have thought maybe about four months, five months to get it all sort of done. And was that working on it every day or did you have mm. set times? Or No, what I tended to do, because I was fighting with it, was um, I would block out a day and say, right, that's it. I'm just going to get my head down and I'm going to just do it. You know, I wasn't one who could dip in and out. And was that a day a week or a day a month? Um, It would tend to be a day, but it would depend on what Eleanor had sent me. So if she'd sent me a chapter and she sort of would say, right, I want it back by so-and-so, I probably would just push on and do a day a week trying to... um, to get it done and there would be quite a bit of to and fro in and and we'd chop things around a little bit and then there was proofreading and then re-editing and and so forth but uh, but probably to be fair to get the first draft done it was probably about four four months mm-hmm. yeah. I think people are always interested in hearing how long it actually takes I'm sure that would yeah. be a, a question for, for your listeners and did the book change much over the process of writing? To be very honest it didn't really it didn't Elna um, captured the heart of the book from the interview and she managed to translate that pretty quickly. So so no, not really, not a lot. What was your favourite part of writing your book? The favourite part? I think it was actually, one, meeting Elna. That was really wonderful and, and spending that time with her. But I also think it was just taking the time to sort of reflect on what's gone on through the decades of my life. And I'd never really taken a moment to to understand the enormity of what I'd gone through. And I never gave myself a pat on the back. And I think by the time I closed the final chapter, I thought, you know what? She's done all right. She's done bloody all right. <laughs> more, more than all right, I'd say. <laughs> so your, your book has two parts. The first is your memoir. So let's start with that. It's an incredible, honest and vulnerable retelling of your journey. Why did you decide to share your story in this way? Because I see an awful lot of bullshit on social media about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And it's tough and it's challenging and there's highs and the lows and you have to be agile and you have to you have to be resilient and... You know, it can be an emotional journey and there's many times you want to quit. I don't know an entrepreneur who I've worked with or who I've, who, you know, is in my sort of peer group, if you like, who's never said to me, Christ, there was a time I just honestly, how I've ever got to this point, I don't know, because I was quite ready to quit. And I just want to, what I want to do is I don't want the next generation who are watching social media and seeing all these people saying, hey, you can be a seven-figure entrepreneur in six months or you can be this and you can be that and you don't have to do any work. Just follow my strategy. It's it's so easy. And I'm like, well, 
I'd like, actually, if you're listening and you've done that, I'd love you to come on my podcast because I want to interview you and ask you how you did it because everybody else wants to follow that patent. But, you know, and that's the reality. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to show that what it was like warts and all to be a female entrepreneur and the juggle that often people don't see that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's bringing it to life in a in a realistic way. It's aspirational. Mm. It's having a role model that you know, people can read it and think, oh, that could be me. Yeah. yeah. That is me. Exactly. And that's the other thing about it is, you know, to be an entrepreneur, you don't have to be a, there's, you're not a particular, there's not a particular type of person. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I wanted people to realise that, you know, entrepreneurship is open to everybody. Mm-hmm. Really accessible, actually. Mm. What was the most difficult chapter or chapters of your memoir to write and why? The most difficult? Well, my cancer story was very hard to write because I found that incredibly emotion- emotional. And that was bringing that up. And it wasn't about me. It was just about, again, writing out how if I hadn't been here to see William grow up. And that really, again, sort of struck hard with me and and it demonstrated again the enormity that I'd potentially just sort of brushed under the carpet of what could have been if it hadn't been diagnosed um and I think that really I did find that incredibly painful to write and to to revisit yeah and then the reverse of that which chapter brought you the most joy to write um there's a lot of joy in the book. You know, I don't want anyone to think it's a dark book because it's a like, it's an overcoming adversity to realise opportunity and there's a happy ending for every chapter, really. So I suppose the, the the bit I really enjoyed and feel most proud of is pulling out of the bag and creating Simply Bows and Share Covers, you know, to become that multi-award winning brand. I mean, you know, to think I went from income support, pawn and jewellery in a, in a pawn shop and concert to pulling out 26 grand profit in 14 months and saving my home from repossession whilst being a single mum. Do you know what I mean? That took some doing. And again, you know, I hadn't appreciated what the hell I'd done there. I really hadn't appreciated it. I just, all I was, it was blinkered on, I've got to save my home because I can't let my son down. But when I read back what I'd actually done, I thought, bloody hell, how did you do that? Because <laughs> I bet at the time you were probably just focused on oh, the next goal. Just, and, yeah, just, you know, we're not always great at stopping and celebrating those yeah, milestones. And you were just kind of fight or flight yeah, at that point absolutely. anyway. Absolutely, that's totally what it was. It was literally just head down and boosh, worked every hour God sent. As soon as William went to bed, you know, I could be on the phone to God knows where, work until whenever, different countries, you know, liaison fabrics through China, talking to people in America. There was all sorts of crazy things going on to get this business off the ground. And uh, yeah, that gave me a real sense of pride when I read that back. (laughs) So the second part is a self-coaching guide. Mm -hmm. It's you sharing the ICANN method. Why did you decide to include this in the book? Because I just thought that, um, you know, not everybody wants to do one-to-one mentoring, which is what I've taken with the ICANN method now. That's what I'm offering and sharing that life and business experience with other uh, entrepreneurs. But, um, you know, not not everybody wants that. And I want this methodology to as accessible as it can be to as many people as it can be and as affordable as it can be. So I thought by including it in the book, it doesn't just show, you know, it's easy to talk about what you did, but the real wealth of information that what you can, you know, pass on is how to help other people get unstuck. So I thought, well, put the how in as well and hopefully it'll help. Mm. So tell us about how you created the ICANN method. Well, I never went out to create 
a method. That was the whole thing. What it was, it was the strategy that I've used without really knowing it was a strategy. So it's just my go-to of how I took Simply Bows and Chair Covers from nothing to the multi-award winning brand it became. Uh, if you read the book, you'll see that we converted um, my husband's farm into eight beautiful barn-style homes. And it was, what happened was, you could nearly use a bit of an analogy of the the redundant farm buildings to what they became because when the pandemic hit, um, we just sold the last house, thank goodness. Timing in entrepreneurship is absolutely everything. And by God, more by good luck than good management, we we hit on absolutely spot on. But when the pandemic came and I was stuck at home, I'd never stopped ever stopped to consider what had happened. And I was 49 and I believed that the answer to my anxiety was to have seven figures. That was going to solve all my problems. And that's what I was working towards. And I knew I had agoraphobia. I knew I was battling with anxiety. I knew I was still having panic attacks. But I just thought, it's because you're worried about money. You you don't feel da-da-da. So when you've got it, you'll be safe. It's going to be amazing. And the money hit the bank and I was like, oh, Christ, I still feel the same. It hasn't disappeared. That wasn't the bloody answer. What the hell's going on with me? Why Am I ever going to feel happy? I'm 50, you know, in a few few months' time. I don't can't even remember what happy felt like. How do I get out of this? You know, I've never really gone to people for advice or like to grow those businesses and stuff. I've always worked out my own strategy. And I thought, well, I don't know how you, you, you solve people's problems, but I do know how to build a business. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and what would I do if I was a business? How would I, you know, get unstuck? How would I realize the opportunity, the potential? And I followed the same strategy. So it was like we've called it I Can, Ignite, Clarify, Action, Nurture. And it's like, Ignite, how do you feel? Getting back to to reconnecting back with yourself. You know, how do you feel? What did happy feel like? What's created these self-limiting beliefs? You've got to go back and back and back and back. And in the book, it shows you, I went right back to being a small child where I very first felt out of control and and felt anxiety. And then I had to, to basically just keep going through that process and to ignite and then clarify what's my SWOT analysis, you know, what strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, have I, threats have I got to to take me to the goal that I wanted? What do I want? You know, and I had to ask all these questions. Then what would you do? Create an action plan, a strategic plan to start tiny, and bring the goal to you. And then I understood that the really important part of all of this was to to learn how to nurture yourself and to take time out. And you don't have to burn out. You don't have to be that absolutely, fully, totally in control person who has to do everything and uh, just be a bit kinder to myself, you know. And how would you recommend that people use the coaching? Uh, in the book or in mm, the in the book? In the yeah. book the, well, the, the best route really is the audio book. That's what I would really like anybody listening to do. And the reason I say that is because I would like you to just take a moment, take a step back Listen to the memoir to hopefully be inspired, but then in the methodology, the breakthrough journal, I coach you through all of the different chapters. And the idea is, is that I could have done an online coaching program. It would have been really sensible to do an evergreen type of program, but I don't want that. I want to take people away from tech. And what I did when I was stuck, I always sort of take to walking 
walking the dog. And the idea is that listen to the first question, press pause, think about it. How does it make you feel? What what conclusions do you come to whilst on your walk or sitting with a nice candle or being sat wherever you are happy away from work? And then come back and sit at your desk or your table and follow the breakthrough journal and write out what you are feeling. Because I do think that if you haven't got anyone to talk to, the next best thing is to get it out through writing and journaling. And what impact can people expect when following the ICANN method? I don't know in terms of doing the breakthrough methodology on their own yet, because I haven't had any real feedback because it's just started, albeit I've had some really good reviews about the book and how it's helping and people are just starting out on the breakthrough methodology. But from the one-to-one coaching and the, the group coaching that I've had, I've got so many testimonials that actually are quoting life-changing. You know, they've, they've come burnt out, they leave blazing a trail, they come out stuck, they leave inspired. I can't get better than I that. I can't ask for more than that. <laughs> Definitely not. So as you just mentioned, you've also recorded this as an audio book. Why did you want to create an audio book too? Yeah, well, I think, again, it's as I said just before there, um, I probably jumped the question without knowing the question was coming, but it's very much about taking... I think that during the pandemic, people were were attached to, you know, the Zoom video call way of life and and we're so into phones and we're so into to our laptops and... I want people to look up. I want people to to take their time. I want to encourage them to to get away from from tech for for a short period of time to and out of their business, you know, and get um into as I say whatever is a place where they feel a sense of calm and they can just be. And I want them to just listen to the audio program quietly, comfortably and and have time to reflect and really focus on them being a someone rather than being a someone's. I totally relate to that. And I think, um, you know, we're all so attached to, mm-hmm. to the text. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a great suggestion. I love that you narrated the audiobook yourself. I think the best ones always are. I think it brings personality to it. Did you find it challenging to do this? In part, I did, but I had a really good wing woman, Zoe here. Uh, who's sitting with us from Moja. Uh, she has been wonderful and she she sat with me while I painstakingly read the book and then did all the edits. And yeah, it was uh, it was weird reading back my own book, but nothing more weird than when I realised that I hadn't actually heard the whole thing back before it was released on Audible. And I put it on in the car the other day and I was driving, listening to myself, reading back my own book. And I thought... This is really odd. Very surreal. (laughs) Very surreal. Did you ever consider writing the book as a risk or have any self-limiting beliefs around writing it? Do you know what? The absolute honest answer to that is I actually don't give a hoot. And that was the trouble. Before, I used to always worry about what other people thought, what might be said, what might be done. I'm 52 this year. And do you know what? I, I don't care. That book is my life. There's probably more could have gone into it, you know, um, and I just felt I've, I've put it across how I want to to put it across. I hope it's inspirational. The The intention is to inspire and to, to support others. So um, people are always going to have an opinion. There'll always be a risk in everything you do. But do you know what? I'm past caring. Brilliant. Love it. 
This is a great question. How did you celebrate when your book was published? Well, the reality was we were meant to be going out, um, the whole family, to uh, to celebrate for a meal. And I was ill. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't very well. And um, so we didn't... We didn't actually celebrate the night we were going to, but then um, just a few Sundays ago, we all we went for a meal. My brother lives in another country, um, so obviously it was unfortunate I didn't get the chance for him to be there. But yeah, I um, we had a lovely meal and just very small with the family, really. I'm not one for, you know, having big parties and doing. Um, ultimately, I really want to... Um, host a book launch, you know, like a, an in-person one in the Northeast to thank everybody who's been part of my journey. But at the moment, I'm caring for my terminally ill aunt and she's she's really poorly at the minute. And, you know, the one thing I've learned on this, this entrepreneurial journey and where I am now is family comes first, first and foremost. So it'll happen, but, you know, in time. Mm-hmm. And you, you, yeah, I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. And you know, you can keep celebrating the absolutely, book. Absolutely, yeah. There'll be other it's news wonderful. and other things. Yeah, to celebrate, of course there will. Sure. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone else who's considering writing a book? Well, I think the reality is, it's just to start. That's the secret. You know, it's like, oh, what will I do? Do do. Just put whatever's in your head on paper, and take advice. I actually worked with a really good company called um, Spiffing Covers. They were they were they're sort of a, an indie publisher, and they were very very supportive and helpful. And I think the best thing you can do is speak to people who've written books and take their advice. So, for example, for me, I had Elna, which I mean, honestly, what a coach to have. But I mean, anyone. I mean, look, you've written two books, and speak to people. And I, I, I like that about anything. You know, it's like if you want to set up a business, speak to an entrepreneur. If you want to, you know, never be afraid to ask for help. I think that's great advice. And I think there is this kind of overwhelm around a book, mm, you know, that's mm. so big. But actually, you're right. You've just got to get it all, mm-hmm. all out. And it's, I think it's the editing that actually yeah, can definitely. take longer than, than the writing. So there's some great advice there. What's the most important thing that you would like readers to take away after reading your book? Well, there's uh, a couple. One is that failure is opportunity in disguise. So that when things go wrong, don't be thinking it's the end of the road. Instead, take a step back, look at the lessons and use those lessons to go again in whatever it is you want to do. That is a big thing, not beating yourself up because it's wasting time. It's done. You can't waste time. Get on with it. Take the lesson. Move on. Obviously, the, well, the second thing is I don't want people to ever think they're too old. You know, you're never too old. It's never too late to design a life you love. I'm constantly telling people that because it's true. I was in my 40s when I really sort of got everything going, built all these businesses and did. And I've been in my 50s before I felt comfortable and happy. So, you know, it's never too late. Oh, and the other thing I would say is, uh, which is really important, is about, you know, people judging you and and people, you know, chipping away at your self-confidence. If people are going to judge you and people are going to criticise you, take a step back and look at the source. Consider, as David Goggins says in his book, You Can't Break Me, Look at the source because why would someone want to judge you and criticise you anyway? It's not about you, it's about them. 
very uh, sage advice there, I think. And then finally, where can people go to get a copy of the ICAM method or listen to the audiobook? Right. Well, the easiest thing is to go to my website because you can buy it on my website. It has all the links through to Amazon. Um, so www.sarahpittendrig.com and then on there under books and audio, it's all in there. And then that links you through to Amazon and you can get it in a couple of days. It's also um, online at Waterstones, Barnes and Noble. Oh, there's somewhere else and I can't remember, which is really bad. So well, the we'll best make thing sure to we do. get all of those links in the show notes <laughs> yes, so that people absolutely, can find yeah. it nice and easy. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, it's been great to speak to you as always and find out a bit more about the process of writing the book and um, everyone should go out and buy it. Oh, thank you so much, Sophie. It's a pleasure as always. 